all stand together. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are given, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. There is joy. There is joy in the house today. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Amen. Remain standing, please. He's trying to get used to his new body pack. I've got a, I've got a new mic. Sorry. We're going to have a, a moment of prayer. And, but before we do, uh, I want to just thank Warren for all that he has done. You come in here today and you see a few changes. We brought the youth in here on Wednesday. Mm. In fact, just go ahead and sit down because I'm going to talk for a minute. And I don't want you to be uncomfortable. But we brought the youth in here on Wednesday because I wanted them to be the very first ones to experience um, this new room and to be able to pray the first ones to kneel in this room. And uh, came in here and, you know, for some of them, like, it still looks the same, you know, except for the pews. Not a whole lot of difference to the visual eye, but there's a lot that has gone on to this. And, and the, the amount of work and effort that has, been, uh, that has taken place to lead a project like this is beyond the scope of any of us to understand. And Warren has led that, even in the midst of the supply chain. And we all know that there have been supply chain issues going on. 
Uh, I, our internet went out this last week, and so I called Spectrum, and I said, just wanted to know uh, if you might be able to come out and fix our internet. And they said, we can come out the day after Thanksgiving, 2022. It's kind of been that way, hasn't it? Supply chain issues and many of the things that have happened here, the pews didn't arrive in time, lots of things. But he has managed this in an incredible way, and I am so thankful for what he has done. And he has made the job for me extremely easy. You look around, I had nothing to do with anything. He has been the driving force. So Warren, thank you so much for all you've done. Great job, outstanding. And one of the really cool things that he was able to do is to take our old projectors and repurpose them, even though one of them went out today. Uh, that's why that wall is blank, but look up there. Every time when you come in, we'll have scripture up on the wall. This is a little reminder of who God is. I rejoiced, let's say it together. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Think about that great promise that we have of getting to come back into here and to worship together as a church family. It's not quite the way it eventually will be, but it is great. And some of you have been reading through the Bible, and you've come to Second Chronicles. And we know about Second Chronicles 7.14, of praying for God's revival. But in Second Chronicles chapter 6, when they were dedicating the temple, here are a couple of phrases that I just want us to think about. It says, now, my God, this is Solomon praying, May your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That's our prayer. That God would be attentive to the prayers that are offered in this place. And may your saints rejoice in your goodness. Now you guys demonstrated your Southern Baptist roots by the way that you couldn't clap on that last song. I hope we'll experience some new rejoicing, and I think the Texas Country Boys are going to help us with that a little bit uh, this morning. But may we truly rejoice in this place. And then we go down into chapter 7, and it says, After the glory of the Lord fill the place, which I pray that it will. I pray that God's glory would fill this place every time we gather. It says they knelt down on the pavement. The difference for you and me is that you've got a piece of carpet between your knees and the pavement. But for all of you who are able and don't feel compelled if you're physically not able, understand that. But for those of us who are physically able, let's take a moment now to kneel down and just pray a prayer of dedication. Father, we, we kneel before you now, recognizing it's not the posture of our body that captures your attention, but the posture of our heart. We pray that we would always approach you with true humility, knowing full well that our motives will always be mixed. It's seeking you to the very best of our ability with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We know that Worship doesn't take place just because of a venue or lights or some kind of feature. But worship takes place in the heart. So I pray that every time we come into this room, even if the power is completely out, worship, vibrant worship will take place because of what is taking place in our hearts. God, I thank you so much for the people in this room. Our church family, our friends, and special guests. Oh God, would you allow us to worship you? To thank you for all that you have given us. And to celebrate who you are. God, we seem to have such a capacity to celebrate so many things in our lives. Give us an increased capacity to celebrate you. We dedicate this place anew to you. Pray that your glory would truly fill this place. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.
As the Texas Country Boys make their way up this morning, I want to share just a few announcements uh, with you today. What a great day. I have been, the excitement has been growing uh, all week long, and it's a, it's a great day to be back in the house of the Lord, to be back here uh, in the sanctuary. And uh, hopefully, uh, in a few weeks, we'll have pews to sit on. And uh, so, but uh, don't forget tonight at 5 o'clock, we have our harvest banquet. And uh, you can start bringing food to the kitchen about 4.30. There are aluminum pans uh, out here in the foyer uh, that you can take advantage of. And that way you don't have to uh, bring a dish and worry about, you know, we've got, we've got more dishes back in the kitchen with people's names on them. Uh, but uh, you can grab an aluminum pan. Uh, remember, you're going to bring a, a dessert and a side or a side and a salad or, you know, a combination of those uh, of, of those three, and, uh, and so we'll have a great time at 5 o'clock uh, back uh, in the gymnasium, and then we're going to move back over here to the sanctuary and uh, uh, have a concert by the Texas Country Boy and their boys, and they're going to give us a taste of that here in just a, in just a moment, and, uh, and so that's going to be a great time uh, tonight, and then also don't forget, we're going to be taking up an offering for the Uganda Orphanage uh, tonight, our goal is to raise $3,000 uh, for the Uganda Orphanage, and uh, so don't forget we'll be doing that uh, tonight. When you leave this morning, you can sign up for the WOW event uh, out in the foyer. That'll be coming up in December, uh, but they have a table set up in the foyer. You can set up for the WOW event. You can have your picture taken. We have a photo booth uh, opportunity out in the sanctuary, and that'll be available tonight uh, as well. And today is the last day that you can bring your shoe boxes. And so uh, if you have a shoe box and you didn't remember to bring it this morning, make sure you bring it tonight. Or tomorrow, you can take it to Calvary and drop it off between two, 10 and 12 uh, tomorrow. And so uh, if you haven't got your shoe box back to us, uh, today is the last day to bring it here. Uh, tomorrow, you'll need to take it to Calvary between uh, 10 and 12. Right now, let's give a very warm Westgate welcome to the Texas Country Boys. There is a mighty spirit moving out across the land. Come and worship Christ the Lamb. There is a mighty spirit moving out across the land. He's calling us to worship, to come. the opportunity to be here today. What a wonderful church. Man, y'all are so kind. You're so gracious to us. Thank you for making us feel at home. Let's just worship today. Our God is great. Is he not? He is great. Let's sing to him. Here we go.
Father, a hand. Y'all sound really good. You sing so well. You'll be surprised how many churches we go to and they this and go. God dare you to make me sing, boy. Man, y'all just sing out. Thank you. I've been a worship pastor for over 30 years. And there's not, and I've been to many, many churches doing tours and things that we get the opportunity. Matter of fact, we just came back from Ukraine. That's why we're a little hoarse still, because we sang 12 nights straight. Saw almost 1,500 give their heart to Christ this last tour. It's a great thing. So I apologize for being hoarse. But not many churches, and this is just not pastor speak, as we get accused of. There's not a lot of churches that have the, the attitude, the love, the spirit that you get when you walk in this place. That is a true statement. And that's because of leadership. That's because of you. That's because you love each other. And you reach out to those who aren't one of y'all and make us feel welcome. So thank you so much. And by the way, we love Warren. We love your pastor. We love Jeff. But we're going to take Jenna home with us. She's kind, of the, she's kind of the glue that keeps us together. So.
Stop, you never stop working. Never stop singing, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you work again.
you guys thank you so much for leading us in worship I uh, these guys are the, w one of the reasons they like Jana so much is they don't know what to think of me uh, when they were when they were here last year for Harvest Banquet I was dressed up like Jedediah that kind of threw them for a loop and then I showed up here last night and uh, hadn't taken a shower uh, hair was disheveled had my glasses on I was in sweatpants and they were thinking my soul this guy's the pastor this is but it couldn't come in a better day because this is Jana's anniversary here with us at Westgate, and thank you so much. Jana is the one who's. Uh, 
She's the one that introduced us to the Texas Country Boys, and uh, she has built a great relationship with them, built a great relationship with us. We're so thankful to have you here. Joe, it's good to have you. Uh, last time you were here, I told everybody you guys were married. You're still just engaged, so that's coming up in, in April. We're excited about that. And I also want to introduce to you Jim Turnbow and his wife Karen over here. Jim, if you would just raise your hand so that people can see you stand up. Uh, Jim is the executive director of the Golden Triangle Baptist Network, and he is doing a phenomenal job just leading out, and he directs the, uh, the interactions and the work of uh, so many churches in the Golden Triangle area, Southern Baptist. And Jim, we are just delighted that you would take a day, you and Karen, to come over and be with us. So thanks for being here. Many things that we could talk about, and I uh, certainly want to invite you to give us input. You're looking around and you're thinking, well, if I was in charge, I would have done this, and I would have done that. And if I was doing this, uh, give us your input, your gracious input, because there's things that, that we know need to be done still. Uh, there may be some things that are missing. Those of you that are uh, with us online, let us know how it's working, how we can improve. Uh, thank the guys back in the sound booth. There is not a single thing back there, though it looks the same from here, there is not a single thing that is the way it used to be for those guys. So they're dealing with all new, brand new equipment. And so uh, when you're in the sound booth, you don't want anybody to look at you because that means something's not working. Everything they're doing is brand new. And you guys have done an incredible job of managing that. And uh, thanks to the guys that are running the online as well. And I want to thank uh, Brett Schaefer. Brett has allowed us to use these chairs. Uh, you know, all occasions, their uh, their business in which they plan for events, and, and Brett has provided us with these chairs in the interim time while we're waiting for the pews to come in, and uh, we're very grateful for that. Well, we're talking about the great interruption as we continue. We go to John chapter 21. This is the next to the last installment. Uh, we have preached through the book of John, and next week we will wrap up all of the study about the great interruption, and we pray that God has somehow broken through to each one of our lives, provoked us into a deeper relationship with him, and maybe for the first time we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. John was a former fisherman, and so he couldn't end the gospel without telling a great fish story, and it's central to all that he's been trying to communicate, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior, the Lord of all. So this is a fish story worth hearing again. Let's look at it together in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, afterward, and John is giving us a point of reference to say, you've, you've heard what I've said up to this point. Jesus has been resurrected. We don't know exactly how long after the last encounter he had with the disciples. It says, afterward, sometime before he ascended, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. This is such a great story, and it's only found in the Gospel of John. And I'm so thankful that John is thinking through that this is a story that can't go without telling again. And so he says, this is the way it happened. He was an eyewitness to all of this. And he says, Simon Peter, Thomas, remember Thomas, he, he missed church that, that first Sunday. He hadn't missed since. He's with him, even though he's probably not a fisherman, he is back with the pack. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and that's John talking about he and his brother John, uh, he and his brother James, two other disciples were together, they're, they're nameless, and so here are these seven guys, and Peter says to them, I'm going to go fishing, and they said, well, well, we'll go with you, so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they didn't catch a thing, now that sounds like a pretty common fish story, doesn't it? How many of you guys have gotten up in the middle of the night, gone out, and come back with absolutely nothing? That's why I don't fish. I just sleep. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, you guys got any fish? And the way it's stated in the original language, meaning I know you don't have any fish, but I'm just going to ask so you guys can tell me. And they sheepishly replied, as professional fishermen, no. And remember that this is a course of a conversation that takes place about 100 yards offshore. So they're yelling at each other. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It says then, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, 
he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped into the water. John is defining for us the characters of those two men. When something happens, John says something. When something happens, Peter does something. The other disciples followed in the boat. The more sane ones are rowing the boat, towing the net of full of, that's full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a about 100 yards, and he threw that in just for all of us who love sports, 100 yards. We know what the length of a football field is. When they landed, they saw a fire burning on coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. And we're going to talk more about that particular scenario next week. But in verse 10, it says that Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to him, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, especially Thomas, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. Let's pray again. God, thank you for your word that speaks so relevantly to our lives. It amazes us that we can come into a room that's all updated and brand new and listen to words that were recorded 2,000 years ago, but they are more current than any of the technology that we see in this room. Your word is always relevant. It's relevant for every one of us, no matter what our situation or situation is in life. So we thank you. And ask you now that you would speak to us at our greatest point of need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we look at this fish story worth retelling, one that's worth hearing again, we want to be reminded that Jesus goes before us. Something that all of us need to hear as you look back on those first four verses. We find that Jesus is already at the Sea of Galilee. Matthew 28, verse 7, as we compare the, the different gospel accounts, Jesus told the disciples, you guys go up to Galilee, and I will meet you there. I will see you there. Right after the tomb was empty, he communicated to the ladies, you tell the disciples, I'll meet them up in Galilee. And in that verse, it says, I am going ahead of you. Friends, it's so good for us to be reminded that God always goes before us. Sometimes we might not understand what that means, but it means that he is always, he is already in our future. There is not a place that we go to that Jesus hasn't already been and prepared a place. Our students understand that so well from mission trips, in which someone has gone before and they've prepared the way and they've set up things that are necessary for the success of the adventure. So you don't get there and don't have a place to stay or provisions in mind. The Sea of Galilee is about 80 miles. That's about the distance from here to Minute Maid Park. Jesus had already traversed the way, and he was standing there before the disciples even got there. Some of us wonder if God has any idea about what is happening in our lives, and we can be assured that he is already standing in your future. Which leads us to the second point. Jesus knows all about us. As we look at verses 5 and 6, he's asking them with the full understanding that they haven't caught a thing. He says, you guys have any fish? Knowing completely that they haven't caught a thing. Jesus knows all about us. He knew that these guys would be out fishing. They were trying to figure out next steps. What were the next steps? are their next steps. We have it in so many ways easier because we understand all of what Scripture has communicated to us about the gospel. So we know that God has a plan. But here they are, having seen Jesus one time before, and now they're wondering, what's next? Sounds so familiar. These guys were fishers, called to be fishers of men. Matthew and a Mark were both reminded of that. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You guys are professional fishermen. You follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus said that's what he would do. 
Now he's gone. So they go back to fishing for fish. We don't do very well in those times of limbo, do we? Trying to figure out what's going to happen in the uncertainty. This is a good message for us today. We don't handle those times of uncertainty and limbo very well. We like a plan. We like a checklist. We like direction. We like familiarity. And here these guys are trying to figure it out. But you see, Jesus knows exactly what is taking place in our lives. Some of us feel very isolated, disconnected, alone. And we wonder, does anybody know about my life? What's happening? And here in this passage of Scripture, John reminds us that Jesus knows all about us. Jesus is very aware of who you are and where you are. And that's good news. And it says in here, third point would be that life without Jesus is futile. Go back to verse 21, chapter 21, verse 5. And it says, have you guys caught any fish? No. They went back to what they knew they could do. Fishing. They were good at it. They were professionals. They were the kind of guys that could go on television and say to people, don't do this at home. They knew that the best time to catch fish was at night on the Sea of Galilee. That's why they were out there in the darkness. The other time that there was a great haul of fish in the Gospels, as recorded in Luke chapter 5, it took place after they caught nothing all night long. See, Jesus is reminding the disciples that without him, life is futile. Hopefully that's a lesson we have all learned, but it's a good reminder for us. Jesus was reminding them of their own inadequacies, which is a necessity if we ever hope to trust only in him and not in our own strength or talent or ability. We need those times. We need times like this pandemic. And that's not to say that I celebrate what has happened to all the, the catastrophic events that have taken place in the pandemic. But this pandemic has reminded us of what we can't do without Christ. Much of the American church has been done with little or no help from the Holy Spirit. I was in a prayer meeting not too, not too long ago, gathered with pastors, and one of the statements is, was made. We have done everything that we know how to do, and it hasn't worked. It has brought us back to our knees to realize our only hope is in Christ. For the past 20 months, we have been reminded of our desperate need for God. And we're not out of the woods yet, and I'm not sure that that's not a bad thing because God is reminding us that life without him is futile. Don't depend upon our own strength and our own abilities, but depend upon Christ. Bill Gates, who has done a lot of success but a lot of failure, said success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. We've been reminded through this pandemic that we can lose and that our only hope is in Christ. That's what these guys were reminded of, and so are we. And Jesus invites us into the supernatural. Look back at verses 6 through 14. It says, Jesus said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find, I love the way John puts the phrase, some in there, some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then it tells us, John, recording, that the nets didn't break, even though there's an enormous amount of fish. And both of the big catches that we see in Scripture, they did take place in the daytime, which was very unusual, very different than they would have planned. And one commentator spec speculated, what went through the mind of the fishermen when Jesus said, 
after fishing all night long, when they've thrown the nets to the right of the boat, to the left of the boat, to the right of the boat, left of the boat, back of the boat, front of the boat, and Jesus said, hey, why don't you guys throw it on the right side of the boat? This commentator asked the funny question, as a fisherman, we're thinking as they're listening to Jesus speaking from the shore, does this guy really think fish know the difference between the right and the left side of the boat? Throw your nets on the right side of the boat. And 153 fish. It's another reminder that, that John was an eyewitness. It's just a, a greater validation of what we are reading, that he really believed, knew, saw exactly what took place there. Only a fisherman would give you an accurate account like this. Not about 150, not 300, but 153. That would be like over 300 pounds of fish that you would pull out. This kind of fishing enterprise it would be about 300 fish that the nets would, would take in. Some people have speculated what that means. 153 different kinds of fish were known to exist in that time. It, could it be that this was a symbolic reminder that God's kingdom was for every kind of person? And like the nets, God's kingdom was strong enough to bring everyone in? It's also the number of languages that were known during that time. Maybe a statement to say that the gospel is for every language known to man. Friends, Jesus will provide exactly what we need. We don't have to wonder if he is able to meet our every need. He invites us into the supernatural. He'll provide what we need exactly when we need it. It's like a trapeze artist. There is only one brief moment when he or she truly needs the bar. Think about that. The bar swings back and forth many times, but there's only one brief moment that that trapeze artist actually needs the bar. And God knows precisely when we need the bar, even though we might want it always within our reach. And like the grilled fish that we see there that Jesus has already prepared, Jesus is working long before we realize it. God invites us into the supernatural. They can't catch a thing. But he says, you guys throw your nets on the other side and I will show you a miracle. And John notes even the miracle that the nets were able to hold this enormous catch of fish. So let me ask you a, a final question. Are you ready to go overboard to be with Jesus? Look back at what Peter did. In verse 7 it says, Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as he said that, he wrapped on his outer garment and he threw himself into the water. John wrote these words many years after Peter had already died. He gives us this added piece of history to, to put a little bit different light on his friend Peter. He shows us the exuberance of Peter wanting to be with the Lord. Boy, can't you see the change in his life? He walked on the water, same body of water in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Same body of water. But that time, he said, Lord, if it's you, invite me to come out. This time he didn't ask for verification. His cannonball into the water was proof positive that he knew it was the Lord. He was excited about seeing the Lord. He saw what had happened when they cast, cast, the nets, cast the nets into the water, so he's thinking, I wonder what might happen to me if I jump in the water. Thinking maybe this will be the second run that I get to walk on the water. He sinks in, but he keeps on swimming. And to us, it, it makes no sense when you're reading it from our context. It's like, you know, when we go swimming, we, we take off everything but our swimsuit and we jump in. And he was working basically in a swimsuit and he throws on his outer garment and he dives into the water. Pretty hard way to swim 100 yards. But that was because whenever you would greet someone, you would want to be clothed out of respect to make a greeting. I asked the question, are, are you ready to go overboard 
with Jesus. You know, it's fairly easy for us to say that we're on board with Jesus. We're on board. Follower, I'm in. We're on board. But how many of us would say we're willing to go overboard with Jesus, with him, and for him? To jump all in, clothes and all, and swim over to the Lord. In John chapter 21, verse 14, it tells us this, this was the third appearance that Jesus had made. First he appeared to Mary, then he appeared to the disciples, and now he is appearing to the disciples. This is the third time that they would see him. In Matthew 18, verse 16, Jesus said, Every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Could it be that this is John reminding us that what he has written about has been established? It's true. You can trust it. Three different times to the disciples, bearing witness that this matter is true. Quoting back to Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. So let me ask you, are you ready to go overboard with Jesus? It's a term we use as being a fanatic. You say, well, I like onboard better, not as fanatical. But Jesus, I think, likes those who go overboard. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? God loves every one of us, and he's created us to have a relationship with him. But we can't have a relationship with God outside of Christ. Our sin separates us and keeps us from knowing him. The Bible tells us that if we don't receive him, we're already condemned. Not we'll be condemned later, we're already condemned. But thankfully, through Christ, we can be made right for all of eternity. Isn't it great to know that we can be changed in a moment by the power of Christ, by simply humbly repenting of our sins and turning to him? as Lord and Savior, in which we surrender our life to him. I want to lead us in a prayer. If you've never received Christ, might you pray this prayer and not only get on board, but go overboard with him. For those of us that are Christians, that have become very accustomed to being on board with Jesus, might you pray, Lord, would you help me to go overboard with you, just like Peter did. Let's pray. God, thank you for this piece of history that reminds us of incredible story. To see the exuberance of Peter going all in for you and how that you would use him to usher in the church to live out his life in such a way that he couldn't be stopped until he was nailed to a cross. God, it is very convenient to be on board with you, but not so much to be overboard. And I pray that if any of my friends now are not yet on board, they would invite you to be Lord and Savior with a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, you have given us such a great template for life. You have empowered us with your spirit to reside in us as believers and followers of Christ. Help us to carry the same exuberance, the same confidence, the same faith as those who have gone before us, especially those that we have seen in this chapter, such as Peter, that type of exuberance for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you all. Thanks for listening, and if you made a commitment to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, during this next song, I'll be standing over by the crosses, and I would invite you to just come over and remind us of your decision. We'd love to help you with your next steps, because when you pray to receive Christ, that is your first step. It's your first step of a lifelong journey. It's not the journey. It's the beginning of a lifelong journey. There may be some of us here today that say, you know, I'm not sure about this church. They sit on folding chairs, and it doesn't look like they have it all together, but I think I might like to be a part of that church. If you feel like God is calling you to be a member of Westgate, you can meet me over at the crosses, or you can meet us after the service out in the atrium. If you as Christians 
You know, you, you knelt down and, and prayed once on the pavement. All across underneath this carpet are names of people that we are hoping will one day get on board with Christ and then one day become overboard with Christ. And maybe you want to go stand over that spot where you wrote their names. And if you have to push someone aside to do that, that's okay. Or you may just want to kneel where you are on the pavement again and say, Lord, I want to be, I want to be overboard for you. Some of you maybe have never been baptized. We're back in the sanctuary. We've got a baptism, bab, baptistry ready to go. That is such an important step that is often overlooked in the Christian faith. If you're ready to be baptized, to demonstrate publicly that you're committed to Christ, again, meet us at the cross, meet us at the atrium after the service. Now is the time for us to continue to worship as we stand together and as we respond.
of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. God bless you. Have a great day. Be sure to be back tonight for the Harvest Banquet and the Texas Country Boys.